Hi, welcome to the Corner of Hope and Wellness with Carrie Hill. Each week, I'll bring you a 30-minute, bite-sized conversation with real people sharing real stories about overcoming challenges and finding resiliency. This week is part two of overcoming an eating disorder. And my guest is Liz Cracciolo. And Liz is going to share about how culture played a key role in the development of her eating disorder. So let's listen in. Welcome, Liz. It is nice to be with you. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm always love spending time with you, Carrie Hill. (laughs) Thank you. So we're going to talk a little bit about eating disorders, which uh, you and I are both familiar with. Um, And I was asking you a little bit before we started about how long your eating disorder was, which you said it was 10 plus years. So can you just talk a little bit about the beginning and really how that impacted you in a sense? So for me, it started in college and it started kind of in a different way because I was always a little bit heavier um, growing up. And then when I got into college, I felt some pressure because I was in the musical theater program that I really needed to get a hold of my weight. Um, I was in a show where they wanted us to wear bikinis on stage and I was crying and I was like, I can't do that. And so I started just working out a lot doing a lot of cardio. And, and as I was losing weight, I was getting all of this positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement. So that's just how my brain just like, the switch was on. If I can do, do well, I can do better. I can do better. I can do more. I can do more. I can do more. And I found myself getting to a place where then I couldn't get out of. So it was all from positive. Oh, you look so great. You look so great. And then I can look better. I can look better. And then I literally drug myself into this hole. That's the only way I can describe how it feels. You're so deep in the hole now you literally can't reach out. You can't get out. And so you don't know what to do. So you're stuck there and you're just like on this hamster wheel every day. Right. So, and so what is like, I think about your mindset, right? Your mindset is you can't get out of this. So what is, I'm just curious to, what was some of the, um, what were some of the things that you were telling yourself when you were on this, this rabbit, not this rabbit hole, when you were on this hamster wheel? So I felt when I really think about like the emotions that were going on in my head, you know, like I said, first it was like, oh, this is great. And wow, like this is someplace I've never been. I'm I'm like getting this attention and I'm feeling really good in my body. And then it was like, wow, look at how much control I can have. Look how powerful I am. Look, look how much I can punish myself. Basically look how much, look how little I can eat in a day. It's a feeling of power. And then it's just the terror. And what I mean by that is the terror of if I change one thing, it's all going to fall apart and I'm going to get hugely fat and I won't know what to do. And it's all, it's like this house of cards that's going to fall. Um, and then also it's like, I don't know what to do. You know, people now, now you start getting the, are you okay? And then it goes to a really bad place. So it's a lot of fear. And then really lonely because it's your full-time job. It's you're counting calories all day or obsessed and working out all day. And people start to back away from you because that's all you care about. 
and that's really lonely and, and it gets really sad too. So yeah, it, <laughs> loneliness and fear, I'd say were the two overwhelming emotions during that. That totally makes sense because your my own experiences and I'm hearing a little bit of this from you is you're withdrawing from people, which of course, then what gets mirrored is that people start withdrawing from you. And sometimes it's because people don't know what to say, right? They don't know how, how, how do I, how do I interact with this person? Uh, I'm concerned about her, but of course I'm not going to reach out and say anything. Right. So that kind of creates that loneliness. There's also this, this thing of like, when you get labeled as sick, and I, uh, when we talk about recovery, I'll talk about that again too, is when you get labeled as sick, um, then you get put in this like victim space and people can only put up with that for so long. So many things I didn't show up for, I didn't do, I wasn't a good friend because I was so consumed by this disease and they, people were just leaving me and I, understandably so, absolutely. So that labeling people as sick is, is a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing. Yeah. It's non help, not helpful. I well, I, I'm glad you're saying that because if you're talking about labels, one of the things that you said earlier was your fear was that kind of the house of cards, right? Everything would fall apart and then you would be, and you focused on this one word fat, but for that word fat to be the thing that you fear the most, I'm, I'm wondering how you got that message what, how, how you got that message or what was modeled for you that that message was, you do not become that. Right. I thinking back, it clearly was, um, my mother and father and it, and by that, I mean, not what they said to me, but how they treated themselves. So as far back as I can remember, my mother called herself fat on a daily basis, weighed herself mm-hmm. um, constantly trying to diet. Um, my father also <laughs> was in the same boat. So he was a yo-yo dieter. He was a binge eater. He would go um, late at night to the grocery store and buy, you know, a half gallon of ice cream, a box of Oreos and eat the whole thing in secret and throw it out in the trash and think we didn't know. Um, he had pants size 28 to 46 waist in his closet, because that's the span. Wow, It's uh, amazing. Um, he ended up being diabetic and then his health got so badly, you know, that's what killed him. So watching them be so self-deprecating was really what I recognized like, Oh, this is bad. Being fat is the worst thing ever because I even remember having to go places and my dad having to dress up in a suit and having a meltdown because nothing fit him and saying, I'm not going to go. And so for me, it was just, that was the message. Being fat okay. is the worst possible thing you can be. And my grandparents and my grandmother used to say to him when he would walk in, oh, dear, you look fat. I mean, it was just not, there was so much importance placed on your weight. And I now I think about it and it just makes me sick thinking about that because for me, um, the most important thing I can do for my kids is model like a healthy me just trying to be healthy and not saying I've never said the word fat ever, ever, ever in front of my kids. I'm so conscious about it. Um, we, and I openly talk about telling my, telling my daughter, your body is going to change 
over time. You're, you talked about kind of the process of the beginning and getting into it and that mindset and getting trapped in an eating disorder. And you've also talked a little bit about where you're at now. How about that part where in your eating disorder, what were some aha moments or what were some things that happened that said, this has got to change? I think for me, I was so scared that no matter what happened, I could not let go for a long time. So I was put into a program um, and I basically did all the right things on the surface and lied my way through it because I still was like, I can't, I can't, you know, I, I it's going to happen to me. And I've thought about this a lot. Cause I know you and I, you were, and I were talking about it a little bit like that, the way, and every, everybody is different. I'm not saying that the way that I was healed is great for everybody, but for me being in that like inpatient um, environment of like, these are the people who are sick. And, and, and you've got to just focus on getting well. And for me, that did not work mm-hmm. It didn't work because that being sick thing was the same thing that gave me all the excuses to continue the behavior in the first place. It wasn't until I found this woman who had written a book, my mom found her, and I just started going to see her every week. And I would write down what I ate and I would talk about how I felt. And she's like, you have to get your butt out in the world and deal in the world and eat the food and face the feelings and deal in the world and understand that all you have to worry about is this week, I'm going to tell you, like, we're going to go for it and you're going to do it and you're going to be fine. And then next week we're going to talk about that. You got to get out there and do it and know that you're going to be okay. So Mm -hmm. That was everything for me. I had to know that I was going to eat normal amounts of food that other people ate. I was going to feel these feelings of terror that I didn't want to feel before. And I was going to wake up the next morning and be alive and okay. And I wasn't going to be fat and I wasn't going to, you know, it was like, okay, I can do this. So it was like just pushing me out into the world and being like, come on, you can do it. And and just those baby steps. That's what, that's what absolutely worked for me. I did not get to that point where I was committed to it until I had an intervention and my family told me, we will not speak to you anymore. We do not want you in our lives if you're going to do this because they were done and rightly so. And that really scared me because that was the thing that I, I actually, when you think about it, it's so crazy that thinking about dying wasn't, wasn't as scary for me than losing my family. So it's whatever, you know, it's like I said, it's whatever that trigger is. And for me, it was like those people that were around me all the time that, you know, were, were my safety. They were like, no, we're not going to do this with you anymore. And now that's kind of scared me straight. And I got really serious about it then. That is so interesting. That I, I mean, just, just that whatever it is that prompts you to get better. Um, I want to go back to also what you talked about with being in the world, right? Having to make these changes and being in the world. Um, for some people, impatient might be a great start for them to make those steps to be in the world. Um, but it's, it's really interesting. I was talking with Kid Congo Powers about relapse and recovery in terms of addiction for drugs and alcohol. And his desire too was, I need to do this and be out in the world, right? Um, and, 
and that's that can be a tough thing. I remember a woman saying um, with her eating disorder, she said, you know, people who have addiction to drugs and alcohol can just give it up, right? Just stop using it. But with an eating disorder, you have to put your tiger in a cage is how she referred to it. Um, so that we do have to live with it on a, on a daily basis. Um, so what's been your experience with that tiger in a cage? Mm. So like I said, it's just one step at a time. So for a while it was, uh, learning that I could just not have to have special food in the house or special meals. I could eat the meal that everybody was eating. Um, also a big one for me was, um, learning to go to a restaurant, like with my family and not freaking out that they didn't have something on the menu, those things. Um, and like I said, it's like anything else that's got a hold of you. Yeah. Take a a step and you go, I did that. I'm okay. I'm going to go a little further. I did. I'm okay. I'm going to go a little further. And then you realize, okay, like I got this, like, it's really, it's just every day waking up even today, you know, it's like, you know, maybe yesterday I ate a lot and maybe my life's a little chaotic right now. And maybe I'm feeling really out of control. And then I automatically go, I'm going to try to control my food. And then I go, no, I'm just going to, today's a new day. I'm going to start today and do all the right things. So it's never, it's never ending, but it's that knowing like I've done all these things and I'm still okay. That is awesome. I like that. I like that. Just that idea of we just keep moving along. And sometimes those old patterns, those old messages will, will kind of creep back in and just reminding them they don't have as much power as they once did. And I think that's really, that's really exciting than that all consuming piece um, that I know you've experienced and that I've experienced. You also had talked about a moment that was really significant. And that moment was sitting in a group, an outpatient group, and somebody saying something to you that was really clear from the outside something that you couldn't see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was sitting in a, in a group and we all had to go around and say how we were feeling that day. And one of the girls in the group just got started crying and got up and left. And the therapist followed her and they were out there for a while and we all waited and they came back in and she said, I want you to say out loud what you said to me. And she came over to me and I'm thinking, why is this girl looking at me? I don't understand what this has to do with me. And she said, I just know that Lizzie can die. It's something you never think you are going to hear somebody telling you you're going to die. Can you imagine? Yeah. Um, it's, it's still, you know, you still think about the weight of that, you know, processing that when someone tells that to your face. And I think... When someone outside recognizes, like you said, what you don't see, I don't ever think like, I don't, I mean, there was, there were times when I was so sick and just tired, just tired of doing it that I was like, you know, maybe I just don't want to wake up tomorrow. I had many of those days, but it was never a conscious, like I'm trying to die. So when someone tells you like, this is the path you're on, 
And I just know it. Like I just had a vision. Liz is in a grave. Like, and it, she was absolutely right. I mean, she was feeling that because that was the path that I was on. I mean, I was 80 pounds. If anybody saw me, you would know I was clearly sick and not doing well. So yeah, I mean, it's like, I, like I've told you before, it's like when someone tells you that and you've come back from that, that's the greatest thing ever. Right. You can, that's, that's why you tell your story. You know, I did the work and it's every day. And um, so that's why I know there's people out there that are probably where I was. And so you want them to see that there's another side, Yeah. you know, if I had seen, had an example like myself saying, Hey, I did this. I was right where you are and you can do this and you can be fine. I think that would have been the most wonderful thing. I mean, I, you know, my path was my path, but hopefully that helps some people. Yeah. You also, you also had shared with me about your mom, you're being impacted by your mom having Alzheimer's and how that was such a, a a big check in a sense for you as well. It really, it's like, takes me back to when you said like that word fat, like that's our central, that's our central thing. It's like, we just don't want that. And the fact that she was so fixated on it and the ironic and horrible thing is that she doesn't speak. She doesn't know us. She can't do anything for herself. She weighs about 80 pounds. Um, she got her wish. She's not fat, you know. Um, do you think that's what she would have chosen? You know, like you give anything to have your brain back, you know. And and for me, it changes that the feeling of the reasons why I do what I do with food and with exercise is one of the huge overlying reasons is because I want my brain to be healthy. Yes. And I and I don't want that to be me. So there's, that's like a, that's like a two-part thing. It's, um, it's knowing like what's really important, but it's also like, where's your motivation? Yeah. Good. Good. I appreciate that. Um, I'm also wondering if you uh, were to go back and talk to young Liz um during this process, what, what would you, what would you share with young Liz? I think I would actually just probably like, I, if I could say like, here you are in the future, see what your future's like. You don't have to go through this. Like, like it's going to be fine. I think we try to force things so often. And if we just, you know, if we just let things happen, I mean, do the work, you know, make good choices, be kind to other people. There's like some basic things, but it's like trying to force things and make things happen that maybe aren't what are supposed to happen. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. You're fighting with your body. That's what an eating disorder is. You're trying to force it to do something. You're trying to force yourself into this little box. That, and also I think looking at the things that make you different versus the things that make you, you know, the things that are like, oh, I'm thin like everybody else, or I do this like everybody else, really thinking about what makes you unique because there's like no one else in the world exactly like you. Right now we're in such a, this time is like the fact that people can 
you know, not look the way that everyone said we were supposed to look 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50, and, and be the lead in a Broadway show or the fact that you can be a, you know, a, a goofy chubby gay guy, like my favorite podcaster and say, and like, just lean into that and make, make it your career. Um, the fact that you can be a person of color and get cast in roles that weren't written for people of color. The fact that if you decide that you are not, you know, you don't associate with being male or female and you can say, would you address me as they, them? And we do that. That's, those are things that are like, to me are so amazing and wonderful that we're so far past where we were even 20 years ago. Yeah. So you create your own reality. You create, what do you want to be? Do it. It's so interesting that, you know, that actually social media and our ability to connect via all internet and all these different ways that has obviously come out a lot of the times in COVID too, has given us that broader perspective that I think about when you and I were teenagers, it wasn't there. So the, the model and what we saw being modeled was so much smaller. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that our world is expanding and that we can see so much more um, than some of the, the modeling that was given to you and I, when we mm-hmm. were younger, um, that I also go like, God, I hope that, that hope, I hope that makes people feel more included, right. Yes. More inclusive. Yes. You, if anything, every day you can see that message of you are not alone. It's very exciting and gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, me too. Me too. Which is why, why we're here is to, to find and, and talk about hope. So, um, I just appreciate your time, Liz, and sharing a little bit about your experience and how you bounced back, right? That resiliency piece is so important. And it's so great for anybody who's struggling to see that there are opportunities to grow and move out of really difficult um, times. So thank you, Liz. So um, do you have any last words of wisdom? One day at a time. It's such an old adage, but it's so true. I mean, I just, and sometimes it's even just one moment at a time. Sometimes it's a lot, you know, just don't get overwhelmed. Just know you just got to get through today. And also you're stronger than you think you are. That would be Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Liz. Um, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the second part of Overcoming an Eating Disorder with Liz. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about her, I have some information in the show notes, along with some great resources for eating disorders. If you'd like to stay up to date on all things Corner of Hope and Wellness, you can find me on my Facebook page or Instagram page at Corner of Hope and Wellness. And if you'd like to subscribe to my newsletter, jump on over to kerryhill.net and you can subscribe there. Thanks so much for listening. And I will see you next week at the Corner of Hope and Wellness.